When God wants to do something unique through his people, he often asks a question. And here's the question. Who will go? Who will go? Have you ever heard God ask you that question? I have. When I finished up my master's degree as I uh, prepared for the ministry, uh, I heard a statistic. In the year 1900, there were 27 churches for every 10,000 people in the United States. 27 for 10,000. When I graduated from, from uh, ministry school, from graduate school, there were 12 churches for every 10,000 people in the U.S. Now there are 11. That statistic bothered me. So I wanted to go somewhere to do something about that. I wanted to start a ministry, start a church that would start churches. And let's see if we can make a dent in that number. But where should I go to start the new church? Well, I interviewed to become a church planter in several places. One of them was Central Florida, and the other one was here in Cleveland. And so I went to talk to the president of the graduate school where I attended. And I said, uh, hey, I have the opportunity to plant a church in Central Florida, and I have the opportunity to plant a church in Cleveland, Ohio. What do you think? And he asked, hey, Rick, anybody can go to Florida, but who will go to Cleveland? <laughs> and as Marianne and I prayed about where to go, that question morphed from being a question from a president of a school to being a question from God himself for me. Who will go to Cleveland? And we found no peace until we said, here we are, Lord, send us. And that was a life-changing decision. And it's a decision that I don't regret. It's one of the best decisions we ever made. Have you encountered God in such a personal way that you have heard God ask you, who will go? Open your Bibles today to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah 6. If you have one of these gift Bibles that we give away out there, you'll find it on page 465. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. You can stop on your way out at the information desk. We'll love to meet you and give you that Bible. Our mission here at CVC is to invite people to new life in Christ. We have asked a question, what does new life in Christ look like? And we've called it the fruit of new life. And if you look around the room and if you look on the screen, you can see it. It's beloved child, self-feeder, servant. Investor, discipler, missionary. And this is the kind of thing where we need to go six for six. You don't go, oh, I like those four, but those two, I'm going to ditch it. No, no, no. God's called us to be all of this. You got to go six for six. And today we're focused on this last one, missionary. Missionary. Our goal is for every single person at Cuyahoga Valley Church to see themselves as a missionary. I am a missionary cleverly disguised as a student, a coach, a homemaker, a plumber, a doctor, a lawyer, a carpenter, whatever you are. Who, me? A missionary? Yes, you. A missionary. Because that's what God's Word has to say. See, Isaiah was probably one of the most brilliant people in his day. He was like part of royalty. He was one of the elites. He was a man of great artistic and creative ability. He was a man with a golden tongue in an oral culture. That meant he had power. And maybe what he wanted to do was be some kind of an influencer in politics or something. But God had a different idea. 
I want you to follow the sequence of what happened in Isaiah's life, and then I want you to ask yourself, is that sequence obvious, prevalent in my life? Isaiah chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am. Send me. When you have a close encounter with God, everything changes. The first thing that needs to happen is you experience awe. When you have a close encounter with God, you'll see He awes us. And the only response that we can have is a worshipful wow. We have so many distractions in our world. We got too many toys, too much media, too much entertainment, work and play, crowd out, worship and praise. I say it this way sometimes. We fill ourselves up on the white bread of the world and we miss out on the feast that God is for us. Isaiah saw something different. Israel's king Uzziah had died. He was no longer on his earthly throne, but God was still on the heavenly throne. Verse 1, in the, key, in the year that King Uzziah died. See, Isaiah, the prophet who wrote this, was alive when Uzziah ruled the land. And he remembered that when he died, he had an encounter with God. He could look back at a very specific time in his life when he saw the Lord in a new, fresh, life-changing way. And so for him, it wasn't just information about God anymore. It was an impersonal encounter with God. He had a revelation. He moved from information to revelation. When did that happen for you? Because see, there's a lot of us in this room, you got a lot of information about God but maybe not a personal encounter with God. Can you look at a very specific time in your life when you saw the Lord in a new, fresh, life-changing way, when He became very real to you? I just want to say, please don't settle. Please don't settle for just information, for just knowing about God intellectually. Just strive, long to have a, a personal relationship with God. 
Last part of verse 1, he says, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. As I understood, God is awesome. God is magnificent. God is majestic. God is thrilling. God is not boring. If you think God is boring, you haven't encountered God yet. You've encountered some fake God, some God of your own making. God is awesome. It's way past time for us to see God high and lifted up. You know, if you look up on a clear night sky, you can see the Stars. The closest star to us is the sun, of course. Uh, it's almost 93 million miles away. The next closest to us is actually a group of stars, Alpha Centauri, Beta Centauri, and Proxima Centauri. And they're 4.3 light years away. That's about 25 trillion miles away from Earth. It's 300,000 times the distance from the Earth to the sun. If a space shuttle traveled at maximum speed, which is about 17,000 miles an hour, it would take about 160,000 years to reach Alpha Centauri. And some of the stars that we see in the night sky are not actually stars, they're galaxies. Now, of course, we are in the Milky Way galaxy with 100 billion stars. The closest galaxy to us is the Canis Major Dwarf Galaxy. And it's not 4.3 light years away like Alpha Centauri, but 25,000 light years away. So, so to get to this galaxy at the pro space probe Voyager speed, which is 38,000 miles an hour, it would take approximately 749 million years. That's to get to the closest galaxy. Now think about this, according to astronomers, there are probably about a hundred billion galaxies in the universe. And guess what? God made them all. <laughs> he, the Bible says he spoke and they came into existence. A hundred billion galaxies with the average of a hundred billion stars in each. And God knows every single star. He knows and names them. Listen to Psalm 147. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Are you kidding me? No wonder the psalm goes on to say, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. He is high and lifted up. He's bigger than you can possibly imagine. He is stunning. He's amazing. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. You know what he is? He's like the president, the Senate, the House, the Supreme Court, all rolled together times infinity. That's who he is. Verse 2, above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. Now the seraphim, they're angels. And, and literally the word means bright ones or burning ones. They burn to worship God. The president of our international mission board, David Platt, says, this is nuclear-powered worship. 
Nobody knows for sure what these six-winged creatures are really like. They never appear again in the Bible, not like this. But, but notice, these aren't little babies, kind of little fat babies flitting around the throne of God. Pastor John Piper tells us to think about the blue angels diving in formation before the president and cracking the sound barrier at the same time. Now, these aren't puny. They're not funny. They are brilliant. But think, even in their brilliance and their purity, they dare not look at the Lord themselves. They cover their eyes. In fact, they cover their feet because God is so holy. They don't sense that they can stand in His presence. They are burning to worship God. This is what seraphim do. When you're sleeping, they are singing. And what is it that they're singing? Verse 3, they called to one another and they said... Now say this with me, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, what's the tune? I'd love to hear the tune. But if the seraphim could have heard us say that just now, they would go, do you know who you're talking about? Where's your passion? Where is your awe? Where's the wow factor? What's wrong with you people? What's wrong with me? Holy. It means God is without error. He never makes a mistake. He never sins. No wrong thoughts. No wrong motives. He's pure. But, there, but there's more. I mean, He is pure, but even the angels are pure. So not only is He without error, He's without equal. That's what holiness means. The holiness of God applies to all of His attributes. His love is holy love. His grace is holy grace. His righteousness is holy righteousness. His wrath is holy wrath. And His sovereignty is holy sovereignty. Listen, do you love God for His holiness? Because you know what? You can use God for His power. And you can use God for His wisdom. And you can use God for His grace. But you can't use God for His holiness. Think about it. A beautiful young woman marries an ugly rich guy. Okay? You know what she's called? A gold digger. Suppose she could not get her hands on the guy's money. And then she leaves the man. How is the man going to feel? He's going to feel violated. He's going to feel like he's a means to an end. He's going to feel used and abused. I wonder, when God receives from us what we give to Him, does He feel like that? I mean, you didn't come through for me, God, the way I thought you should. So that means that we're going after God for His blessings and not for Him Himself. You just married God for His money. This is why we need to be enthralled with His holiness. See, the seraphs, what they're doing, they're singing, they're serving because God is holy, He is glorious, and He's worthy whether they get anything from Him or not. God's holiness is not useful, it's beautiful. Anybody that worships God for His holiness is not worshiping for what they can get. 
They worship him because of who he is. So the angels are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Verse 4, and the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. The posts for the doors in this heavenly temple are like shaking. The power of the worship is so awesome that the house shakes. It's like you're at a rock concert on the front row in front of a, the, the subwoofer. And the room is filled with smoke from sacrifices of worship. See, when we encounter God, the proper response is, wow. Second step in this sequence. When we encounter God, He awes us well. When we encounter God, He humbles us. And here's what we say. Whoa. Whoa. That's not W-H-O-A. It's W-O-E. People talk about meeting God. Oh, it's just such a warm, cuddly experience. Think again. In the Chronicles of Narnia, Lucy hears from the beavers about Aslan, the lion, who's the Christ figure, and she asks, is he quite safe? I I shall feel rather nervous meeting a lion. Safe, says Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe. But he's good. (laughs) He's the king, I tell you. You know, you read through scenes in Scripture that describe people meeting God. It's never an experience that creates warm fuzzies. More often than not, it's a scene of abject terror. Isaiah has seen God. What's going to happen? Verse 5, And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I mean, it's not like, oh wow, there's God. He's cool. (laughs) No, it's, why, there's the Lord. I am ruined. I am doomed. The Hebrew word here is dama. And it means I'm cut off. It means I'm destroyed. I'm devastated. I like the King James Version here where he says, Woe is me, for I am undone. It's like he, he's unglued. All the glue, all the bailing wire that held Isaiah together, his goodness, his religion, his job, his reputation, his relationships, all of it's undone when he has a close encounter with the Lord. I mean, think about it. He hears the angels and their use of words. He hears their praise. And he sees that their praise is pure. And then he thinks about his language. And he goes, I'm not. I I live in an impure generation. But I'm no better than those people. I mean, those people aren't the problem. I'm the problem. Even my words, my ability to speak powerfully, they're dirty. They're flawed. They're, they're messed up. How do you know if you've encountered the Lord? You don't have a problem saying, 
I'm a filthy, rotten, no good, hell-deserving sinner. If you've encountered God, you've got no problem saying that. You think you're lost. You think you're more capable of sin and selfishness and hurt and harm than ever. I pray that God would save us from some kind of a casual, buddy-buddy relationship with the holy, holy, holy God of the universe. One of the surest signs that you've never met God is if you have a casual, cavalier, take-it-or-leave-it relationship with Him. I mean, we compare ourselves to other people. You know, I'm not as bad as Him, and I don't do the sick stuff she does. But as Pastor J.D. Greer says, when we see true holiness, all of that falls apart. When we see goodness for what it is, we feel without being told that our goodness is, as Isaiah says later, our goodness is filthy rags. When you encounter God, it's like disorienting. It feels like a disaster. True salvation, true conversion, it feels like a train wreck. It feels like a plane crash. It feels like your car just got totaled. You know, a great missionary and church planter, spiritual leader, Paul, he once wrote, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We didn't fall just a little bit short of the glory of God. We fell a hundred billion miles times infinity short of the glory of God. We can't just say, well, you know, I'm just going to add a little Jesus to my life, or I'm just going to add a little church to my life, and I'm going to be okay. No. Once you have seen the Lord, you're going to say, I have no chance. I have no hope. What I need is a 100% bailout, because without Jesus, I am lost. I'm utterly undone. I am history. I am toast. Now, I like what speaker Louis Giglio says. Jesus doesn't show up to make bad people better. Jesus shows up to make dead people live. Without Christ, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And when you're dead, you're done. So to be saved, to actually become a beloved child like we talked about, you got to feel deep, deep down inside a sense of unworthiness. If you ever want to be used by God, you're going to have to go through what Isaiah went through. The great English preacher C.H. Spurgeon said, God will never fill you with himself until he has emptied you of your own self. He awes us. We go, wow. He humbles us. We go, whoa. And then he heals us. And the way he heals us causes us to say, ow. <laughs> a surgeon that takes out a tumor heals. But he causes the patient to say, ow. But you know what is a good ow? 
A surgeon seeks to cut away everything that could harm or kill the patient. And that's what God does. Look at verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Now, he had said earlier, woe is me. You know what woe is me is? It's a confession. And when Isaiah confesses his sin, God doesn't condemn, God cleanses. Think about it. This coal came from an altar. The altar is a place for sacrifice. The altar is the place where the innocent die for the guilty. So this coal that was brought to touch Isaiah's lips is soaked in the shed blood of a lamb. An innocent lamb in place of a guilty sinner. It's a picture. It's a foreshadowing of the sacrifice of Jesus. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So the angel comes with this fire of God in his hand. And I'm sure Isaiah's going, is this a fire that's going to consume me forever and ever? But instead he's cleansed. Because when you encounter God in his holiness, you find out he doesn't destroy. He heals And so for Isaiah, grace has come. He got something that he didn't deserve. It's not just grace. It's amazing grace. A sacrifice has been made. The blood has been shed on the altar. The offering has been accepted by God. And God has sent his messenger to apply the cleansing coal of forgiveness to Isaiah's life. And you know what? He's still doing that today. Many in this room, you have encountered God and you know what this is like. When you have a close encounter with the Lord of grace, you realize you are more wicked than you dare believe and you are more loved than you dared imagine. At the same time, you realize I'm more wicked, I deserve hell, but God loves me and he's provided a way out through the sacrifice on the altar. You say, well, how do I know if this has happened to me? Well, if it's happened to you, then you will have changed your agenda, your plans, your goals. If you've never really changed your agenda and your plans and your goals, then you've never really encountered God. You may know about Him, but you don't know Him. You say, well, man, I I, want to know Him. How, How can I do that? How can I express something to Him well, in your program on the screen, there's a prayer. we got one more point after this, but let's just stop now. Maybe you're here and you're going, I need this forgiveness. So maybe this prayer expresses the desire of your heart today. Lord, you are holy. I am not. I identify with Isaiah when he said, woe is me. I'm a lost sinner in need of your forgiveness. Take my sin away. Jesus died on the cross my place, suffered to atone for my sin, rose again, so I'm making my Lord and Savior. I think there are probably many of you in this room, you've been dating God. You've been flirting with God. You know about God, but you've never had an encounter. And today's your day. Pray the prayer. Let us know in your program that you prayed. 
We're not going to bug you, harass you, won't show up unannounced on your doorstep, but we want to help you grow. Tear it off the program, put it in the offering basket when it comes by. Take a step toward God. He awes us. We say, wow. He humbles us, and we say, whoa. He heals us, and we say, ow. And then he sends us. And we say, yes. Now that Isaiah has been forgiven, he is qualified to share the good news about the only hope of the world. Look at verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am. Send me. See, the effect of a live coal is to set our lips on fire for God. I got something to say. I got something to say about Jesus that you need to hear. It sets our lips on fire for God, for His glory, for His grace. He asked, who will go? And we say, here I am, send me. We don't go because it's a duty. We go because we want others to share in the same grace that we know. The grace is so amazing to us that we want others to know how amazing it is too. We want others to see God in His holiness. We want to go to heaven and take as many people with us as we can. You know, this Thanksgiving, I posted my wife's Marianne Southern-style cornbread dressing on Facebook. Why? Got a lot of hits on that. Why did I put it out there? It's so good that I want other people to share in its goodness. (laughs) And this is exactly why we say, here I am, send me. God and His glory and His grace are too good to keep Him to ourselves. Some of you are employers. Some of you have got dozens of employees around you. What if you just said, you know what? Every week, I'm going to take one of them out to lunch and I'm going to share with them how they could come to know this same grace that I know. That's a lot better than a Christmas bonus. And, and if you don't have a burning desire to do that, I'm just going to go, why not? Are you just not in touch with how awesome and amazing this free grace is? Now, where does the Lord send us? One main place in the Bible to see where He wants to send us in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. So there's a local aspect to this. And there's a global aspect to this. And so we want to go everywhere. Let's start with the global opportunities. In 2017, we have global opportunities available right here at CBC. I had one woman came up to me after the last service. She says, hey, can I go? on one? Of, I'm not a, an official member of the church, but can I go on one of those trips? I said, you bet. I said, no, we do have an application form. <laughs> you got to fill out. There's some hoops to jump through, but you don't have to be a member to go. Here are some of the trips we have planned. June 22 to 25, Appalachia. A lot of fun. See that guy over on the right if you want to go. 
July 21 to 23, August 5 through 11, Ride for Orphans. Raise money for orphanages all around the world. September 8 through 20, Ghana, medical trip. We got disaster relief trips coming. See this guy sitting right here. <laughs> and then August 15 to 27, Pearl Island, Indonesia. Now we have two other previous trips going, but they're full. But you can go on that one. And we need leaders for trips. It's September and October. If you want to find out more information about it, you can go to cbconline.org slash trips. But you don't have to go around the world to be a goer. You could go across the street. Uh, here at CBC, we call it being a life house. And Pastor Chad tells us how to do this. Hey, CBC family, Pastor Chad here. Hey, we know that Jesus one time was asked, what's the greatest commandment? His response was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It was also to love your neighbor. Now, we know that has a very wide-reaching understanding, but it should also have a literal understanding that our literal neighbors should be impacted by our new life in Christ. When Christ is in us and gives us new life, that new life spills over into everyone we interact with, especially our neighbors. So here at CVC, we have called you to be a life house. Really, a life house is a commitment to a threefold uh, strategy to, to love your neighbors and build community where you live. First, it's prayer. Find out your neighbor's name, find out needs that they have, and lift them up in prayer to God. Second, it's care. Find tangible needs and ways that you can serve your neighbor. Show the love of Christ through your hands, your feet, your actions, and so you give them care. And third is to share. If you're praying for your neighbors, if you are uh, caring for them, eventually you're going to get a chance to share why you do that. And you get to share the best news ever, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so really, Lifehouses is a commitment to on a regular basis with your most immediate neighbors, be uh, a person who is full of prayer, care, and share toward your neighbors. Now, uh, we've put together a Lifehouse booklet and this is a guidebook that gives you a little bit more of the heart behind Lifehouses as well as some actual practical tools to help you be a Lifehouse. So, uh, either become a life house for the first time or renew your commitment to be a life house. But from this moment forward, get out there and be a life house. When I first saw that video, I asked Jeff Sukowski, did you speed that up? Cause he is talking really fast. <laughs> he goes, no, I didn't speed it up. I'm going, man, that guy's passionate about this. How on your way out today, you could get a book. Uh, I just say one per family. Okay. Maybe some of you already have this. Uh, then there's some ideas inside the book about what you can do this holiday season to be a life house. And then a little window clean. Uh, you could put mirror, car, window, whatever, just to remind you to go across the street. God's put you there for a reason. Some people say, well, I don't know. How do I find out where God's sending me? We have a blog post on our website, cbc.org cbconline.org. And let me just run through it real quickly. How to hear from God about where he's sending you. Schedule and hurry time. Determine you're going to do what he says. Quiet the voices. And ask God to give you wisdom about where he's sending you. And then what we want you to do is to be still and listen for God's voice. Write down what you hear. Share what you've heard with others. That can give you some feedback. And then do what the Lord has said. You can go to our website and you can find out more about a process to go through to find out what's God telling me to do. See, Isaiah received God's grace. And the grace of God changed everything. It 
led him from saying, woe is me, to here I am. So who will go? Will you go? Will you go? Who will go? You know, 30 years ago, I could not get away from that question, who will go to Cleveland? Until we said, here we are, send us. And we can honestly say that's a decision that we'll never regret. The Lord is here today. And He's still asking that same question. Who will go? What will you say? One of the most effective tools that the enemy will use to keep you from being a missionary for Jesus is to tell you that you've messed up too much. Or you got to clean up your life first before you can go. Listen, Isaiah said, woe is me. I'm undone. Those are precisely the people that God wants to send. The people who know they're messed up. Who know they aren't qualified. Those are the only people that God has to use. That means you qualify if you know Christ. The blood has been shed on the altar. The suffering has been accepted by God. And He has sent the messenger to apply the coal of forgiveness to your lips. You can go. You can say, here I am, send me. Will you say it? In your program on the screen, there's a prayer that maybe expresses the desire of our hearts. Lord, I've pursued comfort and personal peace for too long. I know you want to use me to share your love, to show Jesus to this world. You have my permission to interrupt my life. Give me a risk-taking heart that dares to go where you lead. My life is yours. Whatever you want, I'll do. Wherever you lead, I'll go. Here's my mind. May I think what you want me to think. Here's my mouth. May I say what you want me to say. Here are my hands. May they be used to build your church. I'm available. I make myself a blank check. Fill it in however you want. Here I am, God. Send me. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that more and more of us would hear you say who will go and that we will say, here I am.